The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. So, welcome to all of you. And newcomers, who's brand new tonight? Never been here before? Anybody? Okay, you've all been here at least once, so... Um, so whatever your reason for coming here on July 4th, to get out of the heat, literally or figuratively, or to sit in practice with this collective group, um, or maybe as a precursor to the fireworks, you're en route to a show tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence. So I, I'd like to begin this talk, which I called Happy Interdependence Day with an aspiration, and it's based on a quote from a 20th century Chinese Buddhist teacher. And here's what he wrote. All living beings are my family. The universe is my body. All of space is my university. My nature is empty and formless. Kindness compassion, joy, and equanimity are my function. Aspiration. Yeah. So it's the 4th of July. We're commemorating independence here in the United States that began in a revolution of ideas and activities. And certain words were articulated uh, values of democracy, happiness, independence, freedom. And the question really for us now in 2017 is what is independence? What is this independence? What, where does it begin? Where does it end? What does it mean to be truly free? And it is probably impossible for most of us to have any sense of um, equanimity with some of those ideas in this day and age many of us are growing more and more aware of um, concepts that perhaps we were not familiar with uh, years ago including um, implicit bias we've been aware of explicit bias but not implicit bias and we are undoubtedly experiencing some sense of anxiety, some sense of concern with regard to disparity, inequality, inequity in this country and worldwide. So even though we know that a lot of this is conditioned, causes and conditions, uh, we are beginning to realize the harm that has accrued to all of us, um, our community, our world. And we're, we know the suffering. We know the suffering our own, and we know the suffering of others to some degree, uh, which is all essential because that's the first noble truth. There is suffering. And we must know that this truth, that there is suffering, if we're to understand that there's an end to suffering. And we must also know 
what it means to be interdependent. What, what is that? So I was reading a little bit about a concept called Ubuntu uh, from Africa that has to do with deep connection and interdependence. And one way to translate this term, Ubuntu, is you are who you are through other people. You are who you are through other people. So to be in harmony with Ubuntu is to know that your gain contributes to my gain and your burden is my burden. So living from this understanding, if we truly get that, there's a generosity that's possible with that knowledge. Archbishop Desmond Tutu describes it like this. He says, a person with Ubuntu is open and available to others. Affirming of others does not feel threatened that others are able and good. For he or she has a proper self-assurance that comes from knowing that he or she belongs in a greater whole, whole and is diminished when others are humiliated or diminished. And he goes on to say that learning to accept and allowing a response to emerge from that acceptance are not in opposition. So learning to accept and allowing response to emerge from that are not in opposition to each other. There can be a letting go and equanimity and there can be vigorous work to transform suffering. It may seem like that there's a conflict between this concept of non-attachment that we talk about a great deal here, between that and responding appropriately, but in practice, each one informs the other. The capacity to not be attached informs appropriate response. So it, sometimes it's really the language that uh, creates the appearance of separation, where in truth there's some fundamental unity. So when it's time to act, we act. When it's time to let it be, then we simply let it be. To be open or available means that we can ask, well, what is our response to this, whatever this is in the community at this time? And what's really helpful is some, some practice in mindfulness. So what is our, what's emerged is our wisdom from our practice. What has been distilled by our practice, by wisdom. One of the things we begin to recognize is that right in the midst of everything, there's a radiant heart in all of us. There is a radiant heart. And there's no, the other thing we recognize there's a, that is that there's no other field beyond this one for awakening. This is, this is the moment you have to wake up. So it's the emptiness of this moment, this awakening, that can open into an intimacy that understands 
being nothing is also being everything. Again, a kind of a paradox of language. When we realize this, we see that it's not a question of helping others because at the deepest level of reality, there are no others. There are no others. We are all interdependent. One of the ways to look at this concept of interdependence is to consider this thing called Indra's net, which you may have heard of. Um, The best way to describe it, and again, language uh, doesn't really do it justice, but it's this notion that Indra's net is a net that goes on forever. It's infinite. So if that's not hard enough to wrap your mind around, (laughs) the next piece of it is that at every junction between all the threads that are woven together, there is a glittering jewel. And every one of those glittering jewels is reflecting every other glittering jewel in the entire net. So we discover in this polished surfaces the reflection of all the other jewels in these inner uh, sections of this net. So there's a kind of infinite reflecting process that is reflecting the interconnectedness of everything on this planet, but also in the universe, in the cosmos. Joanna Macy, who is um, in her 80s now, um, she's an environmental activist and also a very wise uh, Buddhist teacher. She says, it's not as if we suddenly get zapped and we look and see Indra's net, that interconnection of the universe. It's that we choose to see it. Indra's net reveals itself to us when we dare to see and to live it. We are all capable of choosing to make it, to make a vow now. The Dharma, the truth of what is, teaches us that reality is really too big for any one person's understanding, to understand every aspect. The Buddha emphasized that the only thing you can really know is your own experience. That's what you must use as a guide is your own experience. So you have to go see for yourself. You can't claim to have a grand theory of everything. It's impossible. But what we can do is to have the courage, the guts to look, to keep looking, remembering Indra's net, to look at what threatens life, and to honor the fierceness that this aspiration, this desire to, towards non-harming towards protecting life. And we're all capable of choosing to do this. And we forget moment to moment. One of the things that helps is to just notice what your own thoughts are about truths about the mind anyway. So um, here are a few assumptions that you can check it out from your experience. Do these hold any value or truth for you or not? So how about this one? The mind can change its ways. 
your experience? Can the mind change its ways? I don't know. Have you changed in the last year, five years, 10 years, 30 years? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the mind capable of? Can it, the mind can change its ways. That's one assumption. How about this one? The mind wants happiness. I probably wouldn't argue with that. Our definition of happiness may, be, may differ. How about this one? The mind has the power to do the necessary work. We have the capacity to do this work. The mind can choose actions that promote happiness or thwart it. So essentially, the mind has a choice. Your experience with that. So if you believe that these assumptions hold some validity, then there is that possibility of training, awakening, to see causes of suffering and bring them to an end. So one of the questions might be today is, well, if we have these assumptions that we hold as um, having some truth to them, then how is it that we can embody this understanding, this knowledge of interdependence particularly in the face of pain and or of bitterness? What do we do with that? What does it mean, for example, to establish a, a spirit of loving kindness, if that's one of our intentions, our practices? Um, Ajahn Amaro, who is a, a Buddhist teacher, um, it says in a book that he wrote, and the book is called Small Boat, Great Mountain. He says, a sincere spirit of loving kindness is the most challenging thing to establish in the face of extreme bitterness and pain because to do so requires finding spaciousness around these experiences. And all we have to do is reflect upon a moment in our own life where there was extreme pain or extreme bitterness to know the tightness with which we have those experiences and, and the sense that there's no space at all in that moment. Because in those moments, that's where the heart most easily contracts, uh, impacts, uh, grows hard. But, he says, we can pick up that quality and say this too is part of nature it's part of nature this too is just the way it is right now then at that moment in the choosing to look with that that lens at what's happening there's an expression there's an expansion around the contraction so just in the choosing to look, to see, there can be an opening, a softening, a, a spaciousness can occur. No matter how dense and real the feeling of I and me and mine are, we see that in the spaciousness, that there's not only space around it, but sometimes there's some light shining through. So um, we turn to the Buddha for some advice about, well, how, how do we explore the possibility of freedom in those instances of pain, 
or bitterness, or really in any moment. And he says, this is what he says, look at where freedom is constantly showing itself in the fact that your present intentions aren't completely conditioned by the past. Again, the mind's capacity for seeing, for change, for understanding. Freedom begins where you see the range of possibilities from which you can choose, see your ability to act more skillfully in a situation. And basically, well, what's skillful? Well, unskillful we know leads to suffering, leads to um, harm for yourself, for others. And the Buddha says, whatever is unskillful should be recognized and abandoned. Whatever is skillful, leading to happiness and peace for you, for others, should be pursued. Makes it sound so easy, right? (laughs) So it is the discipline, the diligence of our practice that allows us to see this phenomenon of choice. We can choose how we respond in any moment. So this means we have to pay attention to what is my intention in this moment? What, how is mindfulness informing me right now? Can I water the grounds of trust and curiosity? And he goes on to say that um, if we do so, we can eradicate the roots of our suffering, the weeds, if you will, if you're a gardener. Any gardeners in here? (laughs) We can eradicate the weeds of hatred, greed, confusion, by enriching the soil with some application of a little diligence, not striving necessarily, that kind of intense, but just a a relaxed diligence, a patience, and some compassion. In Nelson Mandela's words, being free is not merely casting off our own chains, but we have to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others, the interdependence of freedom and happiness. So let's just sit for a few moments. I'll close with a poem by Wendell Berry entitled, What We Need Is Here. Geese appear high over us, pass and the sky closes. Abandon, as in love or sleep, abandon holds them to their way 
clear in the ancient faith, what we need is here. And we pray not for new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye, clear. What we need is here. So thank you for being here tonight and for your practice. And may you be safe and wisdom be yours in the choices that you make this night, this week, this Saturday in your life. Be well. <laughs>